0: What's up, internet? You're tuned in to episode eight of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast, where a group of lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete, and Bessie, joined by the Garden Variety Doombringer, Mister Robert Thompson, and the Guild Master himself, Mister Sean Bartley. How you guys doing this week?
1: Great, pretty good. Uh, excited. Uh, E3 was was a lot of fun uh, covering it and following everything that was going on and. There's still a lot more to talk about, so I'm excited to do that.
0: Yeah, I can't believe that this is going to be our fourth E3 episode in the span of, like, what, a week?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Riding high off the hype train, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy that we still have more to dig through. Um, so as you guys can see, Andy is not with us this week. Uh, we're recording this episode on Father's Day, and him and his family are out uh, spending the day together. So he'll be back with us next week. I know we usually kick the show off with what we're playing this week, but I thought it might be fun to bring a game over that we do on the Comics Pals and try it over here. So Sean, would you mind explaining the finer points of Buy or Sell to the Pals at Home?
1: Sure. So if you're unfamiliar with what Buy or Sell is, it's a very simple game. Uh, We will be presented with a couple of options, and we have to choose whether or not we want to buy on the option and sell on the rest, or vice versa. Uh, You'll get a very quick understanding of how the game works once we get into it it's very simple you guys can play along at home it's a lot of fun so pete take it away
0: cool um all right so for uh, our first topic we're going to do uh, a buy or sell on sony nintendo or microsoft so what that means is you're gonna have to pick one of these three and their entire you know catalog their influence everything exists that's the one you get to pick the other two are gone forever never existed
2: that's never existed that's really mean (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know we were like rendering them mute
1: from space and time i mean
0: (laughs) yeah no seriously it's like they're gone they never existed
1: and and of course for the sake of the game the implications of that are not they don't matter so like for example you couldn't (laughs) say oh well if nintendo didn't exist then we would have never gotten sony or anything like that right right. yeah
0: right and like you could you could use nintendo's influence as a factor for why you chose them right But not that, like, oh, well, without them, neither of them exist. Because by that logic, you could say the same thing about Microsoft and Sony. Because Microsoft only got in the console game to fuck Sony. So.
1: (laughs) Uh, I have an answer. I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, you go first, man. Go ahead. So
1: my answer is that I'm going to buy on Sony and sell on Nintendo and Microsoft. Uh, As much as I love what Nintendo has done for gaming, and as much as I respect it, and as, as much as I appreciate what they've done for me, at the end of the day, since the PlayStation, I have been on the Sony bandwagon. I've I've always had the latest Nintendo console. This is the first time that I don't. Um, but I, I have to go with Sony. The PlayStation 2 ruled my world. Uh, PlayStation 3, I, I got so much enjoyment out of that that system. And I'm, I'm never going to stop buying whatever Sony produces uh, console-wise. No matter what, whereas with the other systems, I can pretty much take it or leave it.
2: So I'm pretty much the same answer because almost all the same reasons. Uh, PlayStation One and even up to now to of the four, I, most of the games I've I've rated like you know for top ten kind of things or best experiences with games have almost always been on Sony, uh, barring the PC. Uh, so, you know, with Nintendo and. Uh, I used to have all the systems up to date. So GameCube and I fell off. So there's that's clear answer. Like I'm not so much into it anymore. And with the Xbox, I've always just kind of gotten it like at the end of the, the generation it's on. So I, I'm not like a first adopter of like Xbox tech, just Sony's had my heart for years. So I got to go with them.
0: Uh, so this one is like, this is really hard for me. Cause I would say that like the two companies that I most closely relate with as a gamer are Sony and Nintendo, you know, um, like, I have, I have a Majora's Mask tattoo, and I have the fucking holy PlayStation symbols on the same arm. So, it's like, I have immense love for both of these companies. Uh, the PlayStation was my first console. The PlayStation 2 is my favorite one during that era. Um, but I have to go with Nintendo. Because, like, Nintendo was my first exposure to video games. You know, the first game I ever played was Super Mario World. The first console I ever owned was a Game Boy. The first video game I ever had a relationship with was pokemon And when I think about it beyond that, um, you know, so it's like, I don't even know if I would be a gamer if it wasn't for Nintendo, right? But not only that, Mm -hmm. like, I have so many friendships that were built or strengthened because of, like, playing Nintendo games, you know? Um, You know, how many hours did, like, you know, I play Smash, you know, with people or, like, Pokemon, you know? Like, that was a huge, like, I met my best friend um, throughout my entire childhood, uh, because we both liked Pokemon, you know, and I I was at a new school, it was scary and I didn't know anybody, but I had Pokemon shirt on, he had a Pokemon shirt on, we ended up becoming friends, we're still friends to this day, you know, um, and, like, even all the, the friends I made, you know, throughout high school and stuff like that, like, we were drawn closer together because we played competitive Pokemon together and, like, you know, we had this thing that we were all involved in that we were constantly engaged with, you know, so it's, I think as much as it is just the games themselves, it's also like the culture and the friendship around Nintendo games that have meant so much to me in a way that like I feel the same way about certain things with Sony, but probably not on as much of a level.
2: Hmm. It's a hard question because I know by saying Sony, I'm living in a world without Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. But yep you know i i guess that's like i'm okay with i don't know (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong i'm not happy about my choice either
0: like you know like this is it's like sophie's choice man yeah it's it's really hard your legs to save your arms yeah it's really hard
1: (laughs) it's painful and i really can't help but wondering what andy would have said
0: oh yeah yeah. i know i really i really i think he probably would have went with nintendo i think we can ask him next week Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to figure it out. I'm going to just ask him off mic because I want to know. <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> a good question, man. Um, but, yeah, so that's that's, that's Buy or Sell. Um, let us know what you thought about it in the comments below or send us uh, drop us a line at uh, thecomicspals at gmail.com. Um, speaking of which, before we jump into the news, I'm going to let you know where you can connect with us on the web. So if you want to reach out to us, send us your own Buy or Sell, uh any other questions, send us a random question of the week or maybe comment on any of the news that we talk about. You can follow our sister show at The Comics Pals on Twitter and Instagram. Or again, you can send your thoughts and questions to TheComicsPals at gmail.com and we'll read them on the air. And uh, while we're at it, if you're an audio listener, we would greatly appreciate you liking the track on your platform of choice or dropping us a rating over on iTunes where you're currently a five-star rated podcast, something of which we are very proud. Or if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And as always, the most important thing you can do to help out the show is share it with your pals, so they can be our pals too. So with all that out of the way, uh, let's jump into what we're playing this week, boys. Sean, why don't you uh, start us off?
1: Cool. Uh, So this has been an extremely busy week for me because uh, as kind of a post-Clearing Mythic celebration slash just a bunch of friends kind of wanting to hang out together really badly, I've had a few members of my guild here hanging out in New York uh and so that's been really really cool uh so i've been spending a lot of time with them as a result of that i haven't done too much gaming however i did beat donkey kong country
0: Ooh, nice Shit, yes
1: yes which would you think it's a very good game uh it's very enjoyable i it's challenging it's very challenging but it, you know what man in a way that modern games don't always this game feels very rewarding when you get through the challenge uh, and that's something that all games had a lot. And this one really, I, I really felt so good about myself when I was able to get through <laughs> those tough levels. And so uh, it was a great experience. Now I'm on the Donkey Kong Country 2. It's weird that nice. that DK's not in the game or at least isn't playable for where I'm at. I don't know if he becomes playable later. Um Pete's shaking his head no so I guess I guess that's a no uh and that, that that's kind of lame but it's it's good it's good it, you know it, it it it's doing everything that the original did but in slightly better ways so far so I'm, enjoying yeah, I'm a big
0: it. fan of Donkey Kong country too for sure three is I think probably the weakest of them um but still a good game uh, that's so cool, man. I'm really, I'm really glad that you're you're getting to dive, di- di- excuse me, dive back into those old experiences that you kind of missed out on.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you were talking about how you know you have this great relationship with Nintendo products, and I didn't get my first Nintendo console until the '64, so I, you know, I I didn't have a, a Super Nintendo, and this is the first time that I'm really getting to interact with these games in my home, you know?
0: Right, right. Yeah, dude i i um I was lucky to have the benefit of having access to that Super Nintendo, like well worn story story that I won't tell tell again. Uh, even though I didn't have one myself, but also just because Nintendo did a really good job of porting a lot of these games to their handhelds. So like I played a lot of them on the Game Boy or the uh, you know um, Game Boy Advance in some cases, and uh, and then got really into emulators when I was in uh in middle school and high school.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that was until sort of recently really yeah
0: yeah i had uh the benefit of um uh our friend friend of the show jared uh who was like super into them and had him on like a psp and everything and i was like opened that whole door to me and i was like oh my god i can play like i went and tried to play like as many you know region locked games and things that i could find that i'd never like made it to the states and stuff and got super nerdy and into it <laughs> But, uh, so, real quick, before we move on to uh, what Thompson's been playing, um, so, I just, I want to backpedal here, because I think it's so cool that your guild members are, like, that they came to New York to kind of, like, celebrate this achievement in the game. Like, that's, that's fucking, like, that's awesome. So, where, where are they all from? Like, are they from all over the country? And
1: Yeah, so, one of them is from Ooh, Washington wow. State. Another one oh my God. is...
2: That's crazy, man. He flew across the country for this? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. Uh, another one of them is from California, uh, and then another is from Virginia, and then one happens to live uh, like 10 blocks away from me. So, yeah, we all... That's cool. Yeah, we oh all God. hooked up. Oh, that's, oh.
2: that's fucking crazy, man. You got people yeah. coming from, like, 3,000 miles to be like, yo, we just beagled in." Fuck it, get on a plane, you know? <laughs> that is, that's yeah, so, that's so, like, badass. I'm jealous because that is so
1: badass. Yeah, like, that's the most badass nerd thing you can do, you know? Well, come join my guild, and the next time we clear the end <laughs> boss, you can come too, man. Uh, you get invited. Oh, I mean. man. It's an <laughs> invitation to WoW again. Whew. Yeah, dude. It's a lot of fun. Oh, and before I do uh, end my time, uh, Tomb of Sargeras does open... Next Tuesday, so or I should say this upcoming Tuesday. So, for those that are listening, it's today, right? Um, and we're very excited to jump into that and you know, hopefully do as well or better than we did this tier. So, yeah,
2: well, I believe in you, man. You sound like you got thanks. your uh, your kills together, and like if you have people willing to fly 3,000 miles after you've beaten something, you've got some really good players. So, thanks, man. Yeah.
0: So what about you, Townsend, what have you been playing this
2: week? Um, I got XCOM 2 on sale, and that has been a real nice gem that I'm kind of glad I held off on. Uh, the the expansion, or I guess it, it's called an expansion, or they call them DLC, I don't know, what do you want to say for it? But the XCOM 2's thing revealed at E3 looked really awesome. Um, I can I can see like why they throw it on sale, because obviously the hype. And I always, like, wait on a game like this because there's always patches and stuff that come out. And, like, the ratings weren't that good when it first came out. But, oh, my God, it blows XCOM 1 out of the fucking water right now. Um, awesome. I'm so into the character creator. Um, I've just made all sorts of weird characters. Like, I got Snake and I got Ocelot and everyone from Metal Gear Solid in there. Uh, you have, like, a stupid prop to have a dude have a cigarette in their mouth. And it just looks fucking awesome, you know? Like, it's... Just, you get so attached to the characters, and then watching them get fucking slaughtered after 20 missions is amazing. Um, I'm having a blast with it. I haven't really played anything else besides the usual stuff like Elder Scrolls Legends and Heroes, but... there uh, was There is something else. Oh yeah, I finally beat Red Alert um, 3 again, for no reason. And Command and & Conquer 3 Tiberium Wars again, for no reason. Because uh, a couple weeks ago I mentioned I got them, so they're off the list now. And that's pretty much it, yeah. Cool. cool. So yeah, as for me, uh, I finally
0: finished Horizon Zero Dawn. Nice.
2: So can I borrow yeah,
0: it? Yeah, dude. No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, you can borrow it if you can beat it before the DLC comes out.
2: Mm, no, I you can't. You can
0: No. Yeah, then no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I didn't get the platinum yet. I'm 78% of the way there now, I think. Um, so I have most of the trophies, but I still have a couple of the like collectible ones that I still have to do, and like some of the hunting challenges are still left over for me. But uh, I I finally finished the main the main you know storyline of it, and I think I'm gonna put it away for a while and come back to it when the DLC's dropped. So um, I'm I it was a great ending. Uh, you know, it's definitely you know uh, a fitting conclusion. I think to what was. Easily my favorite game of the year so far. One of my favorite games of the last several years. Um, and I, I can't wait for the DLC because it's, it's like story driven and it's pushing forward to the next chapter in like Aloy's story. And I can't wait to see what's next for her character. Um, it left in a really interesting place just because it really satisfyingly wraps up the main crux of, of the narrative that's set up here but it like the universe itself there's still so much to explore you know and like that i think is the perfect world building kind of setup you know cuz i'm totally satisfied with the story i got and if there was never another one that would be fine but there's so there's like so many other parts of this world that have gone unexplored and uh you know i can't wait to see the rest of them as well as answer some more of the questions i have about what's coming next and you know where some of the characters are left off at the conclusion of uh, of the game.
2: Pete, do you think it's going to ever have a sequel, or is it just going to expand it upon DLC for a while? Like,
0: I think they're definitely going to do a sequel. I yeah. think I think this one story DLC will probably be the one big one that we get, and I would think after that, we'll, they'll probably get to
2: work on a sequel. That's good to hear. I mean, it's it's neat to see like a new IP like really solidify itself and, like, deserve to have a sequel, you know? Absolutely.
0: I mean, they definitely set one up. Like, there's definitely,
2: like, hey,
0: there's, you know, not to spoil anything, but there's definitely a moment post-credits that's kind of like, hey, sequel, you know? Like, there's definitely a story. There's a continuation of this story, even though what we, like, the the big question of this game has been answered, but there's so much more to see for sure, um, and uh, I think what's cool about this story DLC, the the plot hints that I've gotten from it, from what we've seen at E three and then post E um, three, look like it's a separate story that is like related to one of the many overall narratives that are present in Horizon. Like, that's what's so cool about it, you know, is, like, there is, like, the mystery of, like, the past and everything, but then there's also this huge developed world in the present timeline to be explored. So, it seems like the side quest is going to answer some more things about the past, and I'm sure the sequel will bring us into the future.
1: That's awesome. It's a recipe for a
2: great game, man. I can't wait to play it. I can't yeah, wait to buy it and then leave it
1: in the wrapper. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Sean! <laughs> yeah.
0: Please, just play it. I love it so much. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: I really want to. That's that's something I'm probably going to pick up as like a post-birthday gift to me, I think.
0: Dude, please do. Like Seriously, I, I can't recommend another game high high enough right now. Like I honestly would go out on a limb and say I think it is the best game on the PlayStation 4.
1: Wow. Whew.
0: Yeah, Like, damn. hard stop.
1: That's um, high praise.
0: And it's definitely the best exclusive. And I loved Uncharted 4.
2: This this is what happens when Andy's not here to bring you down a peg. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't
0: know. He's never played it.
2: <laughs> no, I'm sure he'd find some reason to tell you you're wrong, though.
0: <laughs> oh, if he played it now, he would definitely find a reason to criticize it just because I love it so much. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, I mean... Some of the supporting characters are a little underdeveloped. <laughs> um, coming it was a from terrible Andy impression, but <laughs> coming
1: from someone who spent what would he spend five hundred hours playing Persona Five, that yes. of course he would say something like that,
0: right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so other than that, uh, I played all the usual multiplayer stuff. You know, some heroes, uh, a little bit of pub, um, got back into some uh, competitive Pokemon, but then. Um, the other big thing is I jumped into the first uh, episode of Kentucky Route Zero, which is uh, that narrative game that Andy plugged uh, when we did our um, Game of the Year episode a couple episodes back. Um, it was the game of the la- game of the last five years, I guess we, sh- we could call it. Um, and uh, it's a super super interesting like narrative choice choice driven game. It's like a very like choose your own adventure kind of vibe. Um, but it's super interesting. I'm really into the aesthetic. I'm only barely scratched the surface, and like, it's. I want to wait to talk about it next week when Andy's back. So I'm I'm playing it, I'm into it, but I want to save that for next week. So that's going to wrap up what we're playing this week. Um, But before we jump into the news, we do have a little bit of reader mail to jump into. Awesome. Are you just calling it reader mail? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right, is we definitely need a better name for this segment because they're not readers and yeah sometimes we read things that are not like not the mail like that are like comments and stuff or like tweets so i don't know if you have an idea for what this segment should be called why don't you write it in and then we don't have to come up with it
2: <laughs> Well, wow, you're even outsourcing that <laughs>
0: that's the beauty of the community you can harness their power (laughs) all right so uh this week we got a couple comments on uh our last full-length episode episode seven our e3 pre-show uh where we we talked a bit of shit about bubsy and uh (laughs) we got some comments from dr clue on uh, SoundCloud, who is apparently a big Bubsy Bubsy fan, they exist, and uh, did not take too kindly to us talking <laughs> shit about about Bubsy. <laughs> was this real? Like someone really yeah, actually is, defended
2: Bubsy? This is one
0: hundred percent real. Wow. Uh, so so reading from his comments, um, so he commented Bubsy, and then reminded us of the one that was on the Jaguar. Said that the reason that they're making another Bubsy game is because they're playing off how infamous Bubsy is. He said he can't wait to see it, and then laughed at our one of our jokes. And then when I said fuck Bubsy, I guess he said, well, not my type. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Clue, uh, if you're listening, hopefully, you know, we didn't hurt your feelings too much. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that there were such adamant Bubsy fans uh, out there. So <laughs> um I I stand by my statement, but I I hope I didn't hurt your feelings.
1: (laughs) I mean, look, Bubsy is from a a bygone era. It's cool to like those games for sure. But let's, you know, facts are facts. Bubsy wasn't even popular back then. uh, So, you know, I'm glad you have a game that you can enjoy. But the fact that there's a Bubsy game coming out and being announced at E3 2017 is just a little bit strange.
0: <laughs> oh, facts are facts, Sean Bartley, 2017.
2: <laughs> but hey, it could be good. Could be good. I hope it's you good for know. I hope it's good for him.
0: Yeah, for Dr. Clue's sake, I hope it's good. Yeah. Or her. Alright, guys. So I guess that means it's time for The news. The news. We talking about the news. The noose! The noose! We talking about the noose! So, we've got uh We've got six items on the news list this week. Um, As we mentioned kind of at the top of the show, this is our post-E3 kind of wrap-up episode. We're kind of digging through all the announcements that came out during E3 week that weren't done at the major press conferences. Um, Obviously, we couldn't cover everything that came out because there's just a staggering amount of news During this period, but uh, we covered some of the things that we thought would be the most interesting to discuss. So if there's any other news stories that you want us to comment on, uh, you can send us an email or drop us a comment, and maybe we'll throw them in next week's show if we've got the space. So, item number one on the list is it appears that Atari may be making a new console. In an interview with GamesBeat at E3, Atari CEO Fred Chesney asked... Uh, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce that, but whatever. Um, confirmed that Atari is, quote, back in the hardware business. Uh, so, for those who don't know, Atari's been out of the hardware game since the failure of their last console, the Atari Jaguar, in 1996. Uh, the company posted a brief teaser trailer back on June 8th teasing the new device called the Atari Box, um, which, not sure if that's the final name, but that seems to be it. Um, the video calls the box a, quote, brand new Atari product that has been, quote, years in the making. Uh, the video itself uh, offers glimpses of, like, a new unit that has, like, a wooden case that looks kind of like the, um, the Atari 2600, which is the company's original console. And then uh, the white Atari logo with, like, a glowing CRT television kind of effect, like, blinks into view, and, and that's really all we get. Uh, So the only real detail that Chesney Ace was willing to give GamesBeat was to say that the Atari Box is based on PC technology. And um, any interested parties can currently sign up on the Atari Box website, which we'll link to down below with the rest of our news items, um, to get more details as they come out. So, what do you guys think about this? I mean, do we think this is a real console? Do we think this is maybe like, uh, you know... Um, like something more like the, N- the NES Mini, like maybe it's like an Atari emulator device or something like that. What are we thinking
2: here? Uh, I have a couple ideas here. Um, he, he said it's based on PC technology and then we have that, what is it, Steambox or something like that? Uh, like a you know predetermined console PC sort of. It's that weird fusion of being a PC but also being a console. And it sounds from that part that he's trying to create something like that. And I, I can see that working, you know, because a lot of people don't want to uh, lose their kidney and their firstborn son to buy, like, an awesome uh, gaming PC, but <laughs> I, I don't know, like, how, like, much you could go with that, because, like, when you think about it, like, yeah, even PlayStation 3 and, like, Xbox 360 was based on PC technology, so I, I don't know, like, where that line is that he's trying to get at. I think it's cool that they would go with the wooden, like, design and all that, but, like, it, it could be something really ambitious or it could be something simply like a steambox from Atari you know hmm.
1: i uh, this is it's interesting. I mean he's saying they're back in the hardware business that that gives me the impression that we're looking at a console, but at the same time if they if they were announcing that they were coming out with a console, I feel like they would have just said that or had something something to show maybe yeah it seems like kind of an out of nowhere thing no one expected it and it's also not really concrete so either they're being coy deliberately because they just want to tease it out more or they really don't have a console and they've got something along the lines of what thompson suggested so i'm, I'm gonna lean with thompson because i feel like if they had a console they would have said it that's kind of what i'm thinking and i just don't know that atari has
0: the capital to, to develop something like that. You know, Atari has not had a video game success in a very long time, you know? Um They've published a few games in the last few years, but none of them were anything major. I feel like most of their income these days seems to come from re-releasing old games or leveraging their back catalog in terms of, like, making T-shirts and stuff and merchandise and, you know, whatever. Um So, I don't know. I'm inclined to think that it's going to be... Maybe this is going to like have like, it's going to look like a new Atari. They're going to call it the Atari box, and maybe they're going to put every single Atari game that was ever released on one box kind of thing. Um, it's possible. But, but that's that seems like the thing that would make the most sense for them, like for where they're at as a company and what where they're where the value in them as an IP seems to be. That seems to be like the most logical move in my mind. But I think to Sean's point, um, The way he's talking about it makes it sound like a new console, you know, like makes it sound like they're back in the hardware business. And it's something they've been developing for years, you know, years in the making and that it's based on PC, you know, architecture and stuff. And that just that doesn't sound like an emulator box.
1: Right. That's that's what's so kind of weird about this. My question is, is it? even logical in 2017 to jump into the hardware game does it make i don't sense? think so i don't think it does i think we've reached the point where mm-hmm. if you're not microsoft sony or nintendo and you're putting out a console you've got an uphill battle that's probably insurmountable
0: yeah i i completely agree with that you know because um, like what could they possibly do to set themselves apart nothing
2: I, I don't know how much money they have and like everything I was just looking up on Wikipedia. You know, usually you can find company assets and stuff. I'm not really finding anything concrete on them yet. But the amount of money it takes alone to develop uh, a console, let alone like produce it, uh, I don't think they have that kind of money just offhand. You know, I don't think so either. I don't think they have enough to just, just make something up. And if it's if it's like like a Steambox kind of thing, it's not so hard to like create that. It's more of like assembly um, and and you know like cost reduction for the consumer. So. If they can put something together and it sounds great and it does things that maybe no one else can really afford, um, that would be good. I don't see myself getting this, whatever it is. It'd have to do something unique, and I don't know what it could do that everything else already does. You know, like if you have a PlayStation, you have every streaming service known to man. You can watch, like, you know netflix and hulu and everything else and you could buy games and, and just got the literally don't need anything else you know the xbox is, is the same way you know they run off of that home entertainment system kind of shit and
0: plus they also have built-in libraries yeah, yeah. and like yeah. there's trust in those brands
2: and like to go back know? to like... the other thing i don't think if you made an atari thing that had all the atari games ever i don't think that's a strong enough case to sell it it's not nintendo you know what i mean like well, when curious... people cares about that yeah yeah they like so there's there's good atari games but like you gotta look for them you don't know? You don't have like when you buy the NES uh, Classic or the you know you knew you were getting something you'd enjoy even though they stopped selling it right away. Um, it, it's just I don't think that that's a smart move. I don't know what they're doing.
0: I mean I could I could see it working as like a niche interest kind of device. You know um, I don't I don't that's not like a fucking huge move or anything no. like that. But I I, I could see the value in uh, easily being able like a, a box that plays every single classic Atari game that plugs in with an HDMI. And is like an easy setup kind of thing, has all the like joysticks or controllers yeah. that you'd need so you don't have to like emulate them in a weird way or whatever. I could see that appealing to a certain market. Yeah. But, but it's yeah, not gonna it's not like a big major fucking move that's gonna put Atari back in the game or anything, you know?
2: <laughs> if that's the move too, they gotta consider the fact that Nintendo is releasing the mini SNES, which is like the same idea. It's another yeah. plug and play. And if that comes out anywhere close to that thing, they're gonna get crushed. I mean. Totally. Especially because the SNES is like Already got a better library, you
0: know? (laughs) Absolutely. No question. But uh, to bring it back to what you said, Thompson, I actually think the idea of them developing, like, a Steam, like, co-developing a Steam box with someone seems like the most likely scenario if this is, like, actually a real console. And I hadn't thought about that, but I could easily see this being, hell, even Valve's way of, like, trying the Steam box again, you know? Or, like, but I don't think it's Valve, but, you know, it could easily be someone being like, hey, we're going to make this you know pc console hybrid and just slap atari's name on it because that name has cachet
2: not much anymore but yes
0: <laughs> yeah but it, it's it's way easier for to get people excited even young kids who don't know who've never played atari yeah, games or yeah whatever. that's true we don't have any relationship to atari but we know <clears> what atari is it means something in a way that like you know New PC box company doesn't. Right, like that's a marketing problem. That if you slap the name Atari on it, it's different. Yeah, then you can you have this PR uh it's narrative up. already baked in. You know, it could be cool.
2: I, I you know, really, it's going to come down to price. Could be good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see what this is all about. Uh, I signed our email, our our like company email up for uh, alerts about it. So yeah. we'll we'll update you as Atari updates us. <laughs>
1: cool,
2: it's a good strategy.
0: All right. So fans of Life is Strange may have some cause for concern about its prequel, Into the Storm. So uh, as we teased during our E3 special, um, there's uh, there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of controversy surrounding the game already. Um, but so let's dive anyway. So Life is Strange's upcoming prequel, Life is Strange Before the Storm, follows Chloe, who was kind of the sidekick character in the original game, uh, sometime before the events of Life is Strange, and promises to answer some burning questions fans had about the character's past. Uh, But fans of the original may be upset to hear about some announcements around the game. So first of all, the game is not going to be done by the original developer, Don't Nod, but instead by Deck Nine Games, who's a small developer who was previously known as Idle Minds, they have a few um, you know, minor games under their belt, but n- not anything major that you would have heard of. Um, the next and possibly more damning issue is that Chloe's original voice actress, Ashley Birch, will not be voicing the character due to the SAG after-strike and Square Enix's choice to move forward with a non-union union actress, though Birch did elect to work on the game as a writing consultant for the character. So, uh, Birch originally took to Twitter during E3 after Microsoft's conference when the trailer for the game came out and people started asking about if the SAG a- uh, Afterstrike had affected her work on the game. Uh, she said, hey y'all, or quote, she said, hey y'all, to the fans asking, I wasn't able to reprise my role as Chloe in Life is Strange Before the Storm due to the SAG Afterstrike. And later on in an interview with Kotaku, Birch said, I'm pretty heartbroken. It feels sort of like you were forced to put your kid up for adoption. When the strike happened, you know there will be sacrifices you have to make. This particular one is genuinely difficult for me. It wasn't one that I was anticipating. This is my sacrifice, and it's a big one. Um, so Before the Storm's first episode is going to release on August 31st, um, and this is just a little side piece here. Uh, if you're you know, a fan of the original, you may want to pre-order the game's deluxe edition, because those who pre-order the game will not only get Chloe's outfit from the original game complete with blue hair and tattoos, but also a bonus fourth chapter, which is called Farewell, which features the game's original protagonist, Max Caulfield, as a playable character, as well as three additional outfits, and a mixtape mode, which lets you to customize the playlist with the game's
1: soundtrack. That sucks. I mean, I've never played this game, I don't know anything about it, but I know from playing video games that it's very easy to become attached to the voices of these characters, and that that can be a big draw for you coming back. I mean, it's the same thing as an actor in a film not reprising their role. It's strange, and especially in video games, because they're with you the entire journey, it's a personal journey that you are playing through, and this character's voice changing, you know... It's strange and it can really hamper your experience. So, and it also sounds like for her, this was a character that she really cared about, that was close to her, that she invested in. I mean, if she's going to write or be a consultant for the character, then obviously she really gets it and has invested her time into crafting this character. So, I think it's really, you know, it's really unfortunate that, that something. Got in the way of her being able to reconnect with his character and also to reconnect with her fans who were looking forward to this it sucks that she
2: can't do it because you can you can even see that like you know in her comments that she like cared about it and if there's a strike and she's still willing to consult on the character that must mean she really cares about it you know not just like oh you know like that was a fun role you know but like actually invested cares and I think for someone like you Pete it's probably a lot more heartbreaking than for me um, I just know that if I cared more, I'd be really upset.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I am really upset. Um, you know, I, I, I loved, again, I love Life is Strange. I've, I've sung its praises quite a bit on this show. Um, and I'm still super excited for this. I'm going to remain optimistic that this is going to be good, but, uh, yeah, this is hard to, it's hard to swallow, man. I mean, Ashley is, uh, one of my, she's actually my favorite female voice actress because of, this her performance in this game and then she was Aloy oh, wow. in Horizon Zero Dawn as well. That's awesome. Um yeah, yeah. So I mean she is incredibly talented and her performance is, you know, is Chloe's character, you know? And I I don't think that they would have even brought her on as a story consultant if they didn't realize that, you know? And how much a voice actor brings to a character and how much their portrayal of the dialogue affects who that character is and how you feel about them you know uh is is something that you definitely can't overstate so i'm heartbroken to see that she is not going to be reprising her role uh i i deeply hope that this strike is figured out before life is strange 2 and that you know that she can reprise her role then but uh, i am really happy that she is is taking the time to be a part of the process and you know still help shape chloe as a character and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna remain optimistic about this because I want it to be good because I, I love the series and I love the character so I'm excited to have some of my questions answered and get to spend more time with her. So speaking of games that I really love, uh, Undertale is coming to the PlayStation 4 and Vita. Nice. Uh, so it got the silliest trailer ever, which we're gonna link to down below. Uh, you can go watch it for yourself. Um, but the game is getting a physical release that includes a uh, 24-page illustrated booklet and uh, Japanese localization, and then there's also going to be a collector's edition that includes the book, the game's soundtrack, and a gold-plated musical heart locket that when you open, it plays the Undertale theme. Um, so the PS4 and Vita versions are going to launch this summer, according to the official Undertale site, and there's not too much to say here other than, you know, if you're still sleeping on Undertale, please go play it. You know, I there's not a lot to discuss here, but any time that I get to discuss Undertale and like have an opportunity to stand on a soapbox and tell people they should go play undertale i'm gonna take that opportunity
2: so go play Undertale. yeah uh i do you have any idea on the price of what this is gonna cost for the collector's edition i don't know but i'm gonna get it i'm really <laughs> considering getting it actually um uh, that's a shock i didn't know but like i care about this game so much that i would love to have that stupid little hot lock, heart locket thing and you know yep. i've probably beaten the game like five times and it it's price is like like what 15 bucks or something
0: i think it's it's like yeah it's super cheap
2: and it if you have not played it i it will change the way that you play games i think i think it's an essential like if you want to be a gamer it's one of the top five kind of games you just kind of have to play um it's it's incredible it's just incredible i agree with pete you know anytime we get to talk about it i'm super happy and i'm just glad more people are going to have access to it now
0: yeah, that's the, that's the thing for me is, like, I know um, Toby Fox, who's the game's creator, has said on multiple occasions that the way he made the game made porting it really difficult. So the fact that it is finally coming to other platforms is great. Uh, I'm, I am so excited by the idea of, you know, people who are not PC gamers finally getting to play this game and get this experience that um, has meant so much to all the people that have enjoyed it, you know? So, uh, yeah, Sean, do you think you'll play this game on ps I mean,
1: dude, I just watched the trailer and I don't know what I saw. Uh, that was extremely strange. This game should be called yep. Life is Strange because that was strange. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what, I don't know what this is.
0: It's an RPG, just, you have yeah, to play it. Yeah, It's an for... RPG.
1: It's not that it's, long.
0: It's not that long. It's,
1: it's incredibly short
2: and the depth of, with inside of it is it's like got a, a, a Hideo Kojima kind of plot, you know, within like a small package. It's in, it's incredible. It's just
0: it's a very special game. Um and it, it's very emotional. You gotta play it. Kale of the comics pals finally picked it up. He got through the very he got through the intro with Toriel yeah, yeah. Thompson and he and I he messaged me and he was like, dude, I just finished my fight with Toriel, I get it the feels i mean, and i was like and that's yes! like that's like Fuck the tutorial
2: yeah. if you will you know what i mean like that's like how the game is yeah. played and it's i've never cared more about a, like an intro segment than i think that may have been one of the most like eye grabbing things you know i didn't even want to continue the game because it's art style like threw me off at first and then i just like that five minute kind of 10 minute mark am and i'm like oh my fucking god <laughs> i gotta play more you know yeah it's great it's amazing we'll see maybe I, I gotta see more of this the problem is if you see more it might spoil it for you it's the kind of game that you really can't like yeah you you really should try to go
0: in cold what if i what if i buy it for you i owe you a birthday present if i buy it for you, Dude, you play. Listen.
1: all due respect i have x amount of <laughs> games that are in wrappers right now this game takes like 10 hours it- though you could get through That's it in like ten a week. hours that I could be playing Heroes of the Storm. Dude!
0: Please! I, I really <laughs> agree
2: that you need to play some games. Like I would be the first person to say play The Last of Us, but play Undertale.
0: Sean, I I promised you that I would read Secret Empire when it's over.
1: Please play Undertale. <sighs> you got me. You got me. That's true. Alright. It is true. So I will so right, do it? it. I also have nothing right. to gain
2: from trying to deceive you. It's a great game. You will enjoy it. You will have fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I only say
0: this for your benefit. I have no dog in this race. Play under. <laughs> it's <animals>. fucking great. <laughs> All right,
1: I'll play it. Awesome.
0: See, successful segment. Moving right <sighs> along. <laughs> Item number four on the list is for those who don't like the white emblem on Insomniac's Spider Man suit, worry not. The game will feature different suit options. So, following Sony's conference, Insomniac confirmed on Twitter that the suit was different for a reason saying, quote, that it's explained in the game and it has a purpose, but also confirmed uh, with a question from a fan that uh, players will be able to choose from a selection of alternate costumes. So, dude, I am like... I just wanted to bring this up, because I am so not understanding all the hate for this new suit. I really like it. With the white Spidey on it, I think it's cool. I think it's
1: cool, you know? Of all the things... (laughs) It's one thing when people complain about it in the movies. Because in the movies, you're looking for a very accurate uh, interpretation and representation of these characters. And even then, they, they always make changes, right? Always. And it is what it is. So why is it that Insomniac, who are telling an original story, which that has been confirmed from the second we saw any kind of footage from this game, why is it that they can't? come up with their own suit especially if they're going to provide us with alternate costumes which you know they will because i've never played a spider-man game that didn't have alternate costumes right so exactly. if you don't like it just change the damn costume but beyond that why can't they have an original suit it's an original story an original game yes original suit no problem with it. no problem Dude, it was so funny because, like, the tweet that they
0: responded to, like, where they confirmed this was, like, super snarky, too. They were like, well, it's like, <laughs> it's like, why is a dumb suit white? And it's just like, why do you have to be such a dick, man? It's like the thing that you said, Sean, right? Like, you see this suit and you immediately know that it's not the movie Spider-Man and it's not the comic Spider-Man. That it, it's, like, visual representation that this is a different new thing. And that's good. Like, fuck it. We have a, like, come on, man. Like, just give him a shot. Like, how good this game looks, that's what you're going to complain
1: about? If you've you've played one Spider-Man game in your life, you know (laughs) that there's always alternate costumes. So why not, instead of being negative, why not save that? Because you already know you'll be able to change it probably very quickly in-game. And just praise the game for the qualities that you enjoy. Why be negative? Dude, plus
0: let's be real. There's gonna be a fucking pre-order bonus somewhere where you can get the original regular suit or something, or, some cool or like, shit.
1: D- yeah,
0: day one, yeah. And it's like, just come on, man, be cool.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> uh, the outrage. I think this suit looks really fucking cool. Yeah. You know, I, I like that it's got the white. Now I feel like he's got the America flag on. You know, it's, it's got all the colors, <laughs> and and he's like the American dream.
0: And like it kind of looks like a spiderweb, yeah, and, and he's like. like I think and it's cool. mans
2: like every man, you know? And, like, he, he's, like, you could grow up to be, you know, like, just doing your part in the world, too. And, like, he's just trying to... He's in the heart of New York City, and he's wearing, like, a red, white, and blue suit. And he's saving the world, and I think it's fucking cool. And I don't, like... I, I don't know. Even if you didn't like it, whatever. You can change
0: it. So what you're saying is, if you hate this costume, that you hate America, and you're not a patriot. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it, but... <laughs> i certainly insinuated it what are you not like america
2: you just wear like an all red suit go back to russia
1: <laughs>
0: comrade peter parker comrade parker
1: Piator uh,
0: but yeah I, you know whatever man i'm i'm so looking forward to this game and i like the suit so everybody leave insomniac
2: yeah or. the game looks tight as hell come on like just be happy that they're not like shitting on it you know
0: all right, so uh, now we're going to move into some Nintendo news before we close it out and move on to the uh, meat and potatoes of the show. But um, so we got we got some unpacking to do about Metroid, boys.
2: Well, the 10-second so, gif is pretty much the show stealer.
0: <laughs> so I think many gamers, Sean included, felt that the announcement of Metroid Prime 4 was like probably the biggest bomb that got dropped at E3 this year. Uh, However, that wasn't the only Metroid-related announcement that Nintendo had up their sleeve. So after the Nintendo Direct, uh, during uh, some of the Nintendo Treehouse stuff, uh, Metroid Samus Returns was uh, confirmed as a reimagination of the Game Boy Original Metroid 2 Return of Samus that's going to be released on the 3DS. So the game is going to have a ton of new features, like a uh, 360 aim feature, so you can aim anywhere all around, um, but you can also play classic, so, you know, just forward, run, shoot, Mega Man style, um, and then as well as a, a melee counter ability, that when enemies get too close, uh, you'll have the ability at certain times to do this, like, melee attack and Knockable a. Uh so... Uh, Yoshio Sakamoto, who's an executive producer over at Nintendo, and the co-creator of Metroid, said that because this is a full remake of Metroid 2 Return of Samus, there are brand new items that are being introduced in Metroid Samus Returns, which were never in the original. So um, there's going to be something called Aeon Abilities. A-E-I-O-N. So Aeon is, I guess, yeah. Um, Which is like a special energy that when uh, is equipped... Samus will be able to power up a number of her abilities at once. And I guess, like, have, like, kind of a dual power kind of mode, you know? Um, so then, like, uh, one of the examples uh, that was given was that um, if she uses, uh, like, the power... If she uses that to power her fire ability, she can have, like, a machine gun style attack that fires, like, a bunch of different um, shots at the same time. You know, like a scatter shot kind of thing. Uh, so then, just some other uh, information about it. If you missed our E3 special, uh, we got the confirmation that Retro Studios is not working on this or Metroid Prime, uh, but that this game is going to be developed by Mercury Steam, and it has two of Super Metroid's original composers working on new music for it. Uh, they also announced that there's going to be two new Metroid amiibo that are being released, and if you haven't seen these, we got a link uh, down below to uh, Wario64's Twitter thread. He live-tweeted the whole thing. And these things look sweet. There's a, a brand-new Samus amiibo that just looks really awesome. And then uh, there's a, a Metroid, like an actual Metroid amiibo, and it's got, like, a squishy oh, top. Oh, wow, that's so cool. So that, like, you can, like, poke the membrane. Oh, that's
2: so fucking cool. Like,
0: it looks so cool, man. They're super detailed. They look really awesome. Um, and then there's going to be a special edition of the game that will include the game soundtrack. And uh, both the game and the Amiibos are going to release on September 15th. So uh, what do we think about this?
1: So I have never played a traditional Metroid game. I've only ever played the Metroid Prime series. And right. this gives me a reason to pick up this game. Uh, I gather that while it's a remake, there are elements to it that are sort of different. So I think you, you mentioned like you can shoot in three hundred and sixty. Which, you know, yeah, bunch of right. new items and so stuff like that's that. That's cool. I, I think if you're gonna remake it anyway, and it's not just, you know, taking the game and porting it over with maybe some like updated graphics, I think that you should you should try to maybe implement some new stuff. It is, you know, it's what twenty years, thirty years after the release of the game, so I think that makes perfect sense. But um, this gives me a reason to go and check that out, and um. I think that's great. As far as the Amiibos, I don't really care about those. That's not a thing that I uh, invest in. However, these do look really cool. So I'm glad that Nintendo is finally showing Samus and the Metroid series some love after sort of abandoning them for a while after Other M. And even before Other M, there was just a lull, and so I'm glad that they're finally getting back to Samus.
0: So I'm gonna I want to let Thompson react to that, but that takes us to our next little bit of Metroid news here, which is um, that that you know this announcement of these two games were not all that Nintendo had to say about the Metroid franchise. So when speaking with Polygon at E3, Nintendo of America's president Reggie Fils-Aime uh, said, "quote We wanted to make it clear that Metroid is an important franchise for us." As, as we think about how to satisfy the needs to the Metroid fans, we needed to make sure they understood that there was a great console experience coming in addition to Metroid Samus Returns coming on Nintendo 3DS. And then when asked why both of these games weren't coming to Switch, Reggie said something which seems to confirm a lot of the stuff that, the notions that we've had about the 3DS over the last few episodes, so I just wanted to throw this out there as well. There's over 66 million of these devices out in the hands of consumers. From our perspective, that what better way to re-engage fan love with the Metroid franchise than to create a game that's playable on 66 million devices and then follow along with the Metroid experience on Nintendo Switch, when at that point, the install base for that system will be significantly higher than what it is today. So, yeah, uh, basically the entire kind of point of this interview was Reggie talking about how they see Metroid as a core Nintendo franchise, they really want to appease both generations of, uh, you know, Metroid fans and give people both experiences that they're looking for and really kind of bring Metroid back uh, in a big, strong way. You know, and, and that the reason that they announced Metroid Prime 4 so early uh, was because, you know, they, they do see it as a core franchise and they want to show the fans out there who have been asking for Metroid that they are kind of dedicated to bringing it back and speaking to those people again.
2: Right, um, you know, like, that's actually, like, what I was gonna say before you read it, uh, I didn't even realize where he was gonna bring that up, I, you know, I, I'm really excited that they're remaking this game, cause, like, I never played anything, pa- um, I think I played for, like, ten minutes of the original Metroid, but other than that, it was, like, primes all the way, right? Um, I didn't play yeah. the rem, I heard it was shit, so I didn't play it. Um, uh. Fuck you, Team Ninja! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that, like, I'm still in the camp that I have my 3DS, and I'm still kind of looking for something to put on that 3DS, you know, like I'm not ready to, even if I got a switch, I'm not ready to say like, I'm done with it because it's a good handheld system. I like it. I would like something, uh, you know, besides Pokemon on it recently, it, that is really all I can use it for. But there's, you know, there's games out there that are good for the 3DS and like bringing this game to it with the enhanced controls is a perfect way for me to like, you know, one jump into the series. Cause I don't know shit about Metroid or Samus's story other than, there's brain- needing things and you know prime storyline. So, and the uh, you know number two, it's like it's gonna keep my 3ds have a little bit more blood in it, and I don't feel um, that I have to throw it away just yet. And you know that's that's kind of like good for me. I don't know if it's good for Nintendo because if there's people like me who don't want to necessarily jump on the Switch, uh, and they have more games coming out for the 3ds, I know it's like dying, but it's they might delay it for a year if I like really want to go to the Switch. Uh, you know, it should be good. It's just um, You know, the new Prime game. Uh, I can't say I'm hyped for because I don't know what it looks like or anything. Um, it's it. You know, it's one of those things that like I really do want the Switch. I don't know when I can really afford to get one or like sink time into it. I appreciate that they have the nod to the 3DS owners and to the old school games. And like Reggie was said, uh, that they appreciate the franchise that they do see it as something that they could stand on you know like they have they've done a remake of just about everything at this point you know star fox included and like samus is just kind of there doesn't really fit into what nintendo does a lot of times and i'm glad it's getting like the the switch to like really show it you know
0: yeah dude and i i think it's cool because i think i feel like this is really the right time for metroid to come back You know, we talked a lot about in our E3 special about how Nintendo has gotten a lot of goodwill lately. They've been making a lot of really smart business decisions and and moves that have ingratiated them to gamers. And I think they're really trying to aim at an older audience. They're trying to win back lapsed Nintendo fans uh, and millennials and, you know, just older people, and it's working. And those people, they care about Metroid, you know? And, And if they don't, they can be made to care about Metroid, you know, because they want bigger... You know, quality console experiences from Nintendo, and Metroid, frankly, fills a gap—a very much needed gap in Nintendo's uh, offerings because it's more mature. You know, like even Zelda, which is a game that absolutely appeals to adults. It's it's very, um, you know, it's they're all they're very kid friendly. Metroid is definitely a more you know, Metroid Prime was T. You know, it was, it was like one of the only Nintendo first party T-rated games, and uh, and that makes sense. You know, like Metroid can. I think really come out and shine now because people give a shit about Nintendo. They're ravenous for software, and uh, and Metroid's frankly been overdue. And you know, I, I they're not. It doesn't seem like they're gonna just fart it out like they did with uh, with Star Fox <laughs> and Platinum. You know, it seems like actually talented developers are working on
2: it. So, damn. yeah, yeah, that's like that's like another thing I'm thinking of too. It's like I'm really glad actually that they have separate studios for these two games because it does get to have that certain feel like each studio can focus on like what it feels like to play that game because primes are obviously different than the old school games, right? It, like just controls right. and everything. So if you had them doing the same studio like not necessarily wrong if the same studio is doing both, but having them separate gives them the time to like really understand what makes that game special. You know, like. Why do people want to play prime games over the other school? You know, like, why do they want to play the side scroller one versus the prime game? And and they can dedicate more resources and time to making it truly feel like what you'd want to play if you're into that game. like that side of the game because there's probably someone out there who just doesn't like primes because of the way it plays you know not like it's a bad game just i don't like the the camera or something or you know
0: or just because it's not a metroid game yeah yeah yeah. you know which is not what they want and that's cool because i think it speaks to the point that reggie made is that like they see metroid as a core franchise because mario and zelda both have two different
2: flavors and they're giving it the respect and they've
0: acknowledged that they're both valuable respect
2: it deserves as a nintendo franchise that has been there and has done big things. I mean, you don't put a character into like Super Smash Brothers if you don't kind of care about them, you know, at least a little I bit. I don't know,
0: man. They do, they did put ice climbers in it.
2: <laughs> there's someone at Nintendo who just like absolutely is ravenous for that game. You know what I mean? Who's just like, man, the fucking ice climbers was the magnum opus of Nintendo. And every year,
0: where's my fucking ice climbers? You know, maybe? there's,
2: there's someone in their development team that thinks that. I know that. That's gotta be a
1: thing, dude. They put, they put, uh, samus in the original uh smash without there even being unless i'm somehow mistaken a metro game for the nintendo 64
2: no i i no that's insane yeah they yeah so yeah. they like tout her around like oh look at this icon of gaming but we don't have any games to back it up right currently you know that's like silly uh, and they're not gonna just shit out another S- Star Fox game or something so that's good you know uh,
0: yeah, so I, it, it definitely seems like they're listening to the fans. They've learned from their mistakes in the past. And I think that they see the value in Metroid as a franchise. And that in the same way that they made Fire Emblem a tentpole Nintendo franchise, Metroid can be a tentpole Nintendo franchise again. But they need to put the, the time and the money into it. And it seems like they're willing to do that, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, good job. I cannot wait, cannot wait for Metroid Prime to come out and be... A game that people will have like in their game of the year conversation and stuff like that you know because they're not going to put out metroid prime 4 and call it metroid prime 4 unless they're confident that it's going to live up to that name so it's gonna be good yeah not even
2: could be I'm oh, confident it's it's, it's gonna be good, good yeah um i'm positive it'll be good Nintendo, right now like maybe it's just hype but i feel like right now nintendo's on their high and they know what they're doing they have it understood and they're in,
0: they got us eaten out of the palm of yeah, their hand. Yeah, but hands. they have a nice,
2: like, connect, like you said, they're listening. You know, they have a connection to the, the people who, like, gave them their money and their core. And I think that isn't necessarily something they've had. You know, they've always made good products, but they haven't, not always, I guess, but, you know, they've made good products generally. <laughs> and I think now that they have the connection to the consumer, like, they're just, they're not, you know, they're unstoppable now. Because they're making they're catering yeah, yeah. to what we wanted, you know. It's like it was always like Nintendo will be just like better than you know Sony or Microsoft. But they just did what want. And it's like, well, they're doing all those little things we've been saying, and those criticisms have piled up. And I think they're on a roll, man. You know, watch out for Nintendo. Like this coming year, the next year after, even they're doing a lot. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, man they they've been blowing. Me yeah, away. I'm really excited. You know, like, you know? I, I did not expect the switch to have this strong of a showing uh, not only at E3 but just in general like I I was definitely confident it was going to be a success and that it would be enough to keep Nintendo in the in the hardware game but like I just feel like this thing is just exceeding expectations left and right. Apparently
2: yeah. arms is good too and we made fun of that
0: it's like i told you guys
2: i called it a couple episodes
0: ago i was like you watch everyone's gonna love arms and we're all gonna play it and it'll be fun i I just we'll
1: see about that one
0: i don't know dude i know i know two people who bought it already who are like so into it and they're trying to get me to buy it because they like it so much
2: it's just weird that like i see a game like that and i'm like oh this gimmicky stupid game and then it comes out and it's like oh actually it's good why because nintendo made it that's like the the reasoning now you know what i mean like (laughs)
0: got the seal of that's, approval yeah baby. that's what
2: i'm talking about like that's what i mean they're putting their stamp on it and it's good
0: yeah so uh all right moving on to our last item on the news list we got the announcement that super Model, super mario odyssey excuse me will feature co-op so during the third day of e3's live streams the team at the nintendo treehouse confirmed that super mario odyssey will have a local co-op feature where the second player controls mario's new hat Cappy. So while the mode is active, Cappy's going to float above Mario's head and uh, there'll be a, a prompt on screen that shows the character's two different control ske- two different control schemes, excuse me. Jeez. Um so Mario still like has his traditional running and jumping moves and he still controls the camera, but he no longer has control of the hat. So um apparently there's a way that he can still kind of rein in the hat player a little bit to some degree, but it wasn't shown during the stream. Just to remind
2: them who's boss. It's like you're my hat. Don't get too uh,
0: uppity, you know? (laughs) Don't get too uppity, Canada. (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. We love our (laughs)
2: Canadian friends. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, right. Uh, So, um, but players who are controlling Cappy can fly uh, and perform attacks as well as control um, the camera at some point. So I'm wondering how that's going to work because I guess both players have some control over the camera. I could see that being super annoying. Um, but during the live demo, Nintendo showed off how Cappy can be used, um, like for certain puzzle sequences, like, uh, grabbing scattered music notes, like during like uh, a puzzle solving section. Um, Cappy's invincible, so he's good, you know, if you've got like, you know, a player two who's like younger, younger, younger sibling, or, you know, like you're trying to get, you know, your non-gamer, you know, uh, significant other or parent or something to sit down and play with you, uh, they can pick up and have like a no stress experience. So, um, this is pretty cool. They, uh, you know, the, the development team that said they were inspired to do this because every Nintendo Switch comes packed with two controllers. So, you know, if you've got a second player and you want to sit down and play Mario Odyssey together, it looks like you're going to have the option to do that. It's awesome. it also be really fun for like Let's Plays and stuff, you know?
2: There are a ton of reasons why this is awesome. Uh, least of which is like what you're, for me, at least what you're saying, like I wasn't even considering, you know, involving a younger sibling or a parent or somebody involved with that. I think this is great for marketing because Mario's a game system or a hardware seller, and you know if if it's someone like me sleeping on the Switch for a while, and, and one of you guys had Odyssey, and you're just like, hey, check it out, and you play it too for a little bit, right? It's it's exposure to the game for people who may not have a chance to yep. even try it, um, to you know see what it's like and, and see what the hype is about, you know, and even if even if you're just playing as this hat, um, it sounds like you have interestingly uh, a unique playing style, which. I can't figure out why you know, a hat wouldn't be able to do things, but well, fuck it, you know, it's probably some story thing. Um, the other thing that's really cool, I think, is this is a Mario co-op, which I think is just, right off the bat, pretty groundbreaking to me. I mean, like a mainline Mario co-op game. You know, This is designed for the Switch, this is designed for friends, this is designed to be what they want the Switch to show off, and I think this is going to be just an awesome experience for people, and I I really like, you know, having the, it's just like these weird, you know, the trailer shows and like controlling the T-Rex and so it's fucking weird, but I love it. You know? Um, it's like the photorealistic humans are so weird. I, I don't care what it looks like. It just looks cool. You know? And like, that's, that's so neat. You know, it's not to me, it's not like gimmicky, even, you know, uh, like the jetpack, the water pack and sunshine. Like I, I was turned off to it cause it looks too gimmicky for me, you know? Um, obviously the hat's a gimmick, but this just looks like it's, cool to do you know it's fun to do like you're just gonna be like i don't have to control this enemy but like i'm gonna stack goombas for no fucking reason you know and like (laughs) why not you know like part of the mario games for me that i've liked you know from when i played the 64 game was the exploration of it too you know even if you weren't in a a portrait doing the world there was just fun things to go around and do you know and that's what this game looks like they just
1: embraced the fun of it which is awesome you know i'm excited for mario again too um the only thing I really have to say about this that I didn't during our E3 special is that um, I, I'm really excited nowadays anytime that a game is bringing something to the table that allows me to sit with my friends and play at home, not need to be on the internet to do it, <clears throat> and this is that. So when I eventually do get a Switch and I buy this game, if it is good, which it probably will be, that's something that I can do with my brother. That's something that I can do with any of my friends who might come by that want to play the game, don't own it, and just want to see what's you know what it is, um, and not have to just watch me play. You know they can actively engage in it. I think that's cool, and uh, you know I more praise for Nintendo. You know what else can we say? Yeah. And they they didn't confirm this, but I would
0: imagine it's probably going to be like the co op stuff that they featured in Mario Galaxy where, like, it's jump in, jump out, so, like, it would be really cool if, like, you have a friend who wants to just come over and see, and you don't need to, like, start a whole new game, they can just pick up the other Switch controller and be like, hey, let's play. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, like, like, you're so right that the co-op, like, in the same room stuff, that's always been Nintendo's strength where everyone else has faltered, and it's even better on the Switch because of how easy it is to bring the Switch somewhere and just plop down and play, but, like, I also think that one of the biggest advantages the Switch has is how quick everything is. You know, how, se- how quickly you can be picking it up and playing a game. And not have a million distractions or load times or all this shit. And, like, that even just the picking up, like, oh, hey, you want to check out the game? We'll slide the two controllers off and we're fucking ready to go. And it's like, that's, gonna, that's perfect. It's the perfect way to give people just a little, little taste of that Nintendo smack and make them come back for more.
2: Nintendo has had the best marketing strategy ever of turn, turning everyone who has a Switch into a walking demo, which is amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, because Andy called this forever ago. When I remember, I was like, I feel like it's such a mistake that they're staggering these these releases out so far, but, like... He was so right that it's just like if the switch is good, you have a whole year of people just evangelizing it because they love it so much. And here I am yeah, doing that. Yeah. So, well, like, yeah, yeah, time will
2: tell. If, if you no, know, no, no, if no. it's if it's shitty by November, we'll all hear bad things. But I don't think it's going to happen. So, <laughs> you know, no this,
0: way. I, I, I honestly, I think the switch is like it's on such a good track right yeah, now. You absolutely. Know? Like if they don't if they don't drop the ball by like 2019, you know, like if if we have if we come out of E3 next year and there's another line of games set up for 2019 that we're just as excited for or we know when Metroid Prime is coming or we you know, we get the announcement of Smash. Like they still have so many fucking things up their sleeve. We haven't gotten the Smash game, we haven't gotten a Pokemon game. We know Metroid Prime is on the way. And like that's that's a huge. And then we have all these other little smaller games like Kirby and Yoshi that Might not be system sellers, but that Nintendo fans give a shit about, and that are fun for kids, and that are good gap fillers, and then they're bringing stuff like Rocket League over. Like, If they keep this momentum going, even if it isn't competing with PS4 and Xbox, which I don't think it was ever supposed to do, it's going to carve out its own nice little niche, and it's going to be fucking fine. And we're going to start getting exclusives from third parties and stuff, I think, because why wouldn't we? We always got them on the 3DS. As long as there's an install base, people will put smaller games on the Switch and let them, you know, let them live their life there.
2: I know. I just, I hold out for things like having Advance Wars on the Switch where it's like you could be walking down the street and like have a a Wi-Fi battle with some other person, you know, that would be so fucking cool. You know, it's like games like that are so at home at something like the Switch, you know, like they were they were made for that, you know, like, and now that, now that it's here, you know, I, I can't wait to see the little things we're going to get.
0: Yeah, man. And like stuff like rocket league, That's where it's incredible. like, I can't wait to like take that to the bar. You know, like I take Mario Kart to the bar sometimes where I, I have a, you know, a bar in town where I'm a regular and I know the, the bartender and like, you know, our group of friends usually goes there once in like once a week and have a night where we're, you know, the biggest group there. And he lets us hook up the switch to the TV and everything. I can't wait to fucking bring rocket league and be playing that out, you know, and stuff like that and. I I don't know. I feel like the Switch is in such a good place right now, and I just can't wait to see where it is in another year. And, you know, when they finally start getting some of the stuff that we've been asking for, like, where's Netflix? Where's Hulu? Where's Virtual Console? Like, all that stuff still needs to come. But the fact that, like, I'm having such a good time with it and so high on it, even though it doesn't have any of that stuff, is a good sign. Uh, Okay. So we're going to move over to our main topic of the show today, the meat and potatoes, as it were. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, based on this year's E3, um, do we still need E3? Has the show outlived its usefulness? Uh, you know, is it still relevant in the same way that it used to be? Do you think it's going to be around in a couple of years? What you know, what are your guys' thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I think that E3 is very much still relevant and necessary. Uh, so all the other entertainment genres have their own. Version of this, I, I, well maybe with the exception of film, I guess they don't really have. But even then, there are there, there there's like um what are those things called in television where they they come and they sort of announce the new television shows for all the networks. Um, yeah,
0: I can't. The Andy would know. Yeah, he would. It's not,
1: it's not for um it's not for casual people. It is for people in the business, but you do get a lot of announcement, you get the actors coming, sort of talking about their shows, things like that. You, We have Comic-Con, you know, we have all these events, and I think that games, they, they should be right there in that mix, in terms of yeah. having their own version of that. Um, I think that, for me, even as someone who's not as invested in gaming as I was uh, years prior, I still get excited around E3 time, and I still pay attention to what's going on, and I still catch the press conferences if I can, and I still get hyped. And... I think that that hype will carry over. For me when I see when I see a game announced at E3 that I get excited about, I, I, I go pick it up. you know um, I don't forget about that game. and I think it's it's uh, for, for these companies, yes, they can announce things whenever they want now because we do have the internet and everyone has it and you know it's very accessible. but when you have the eyes on you and when you have the eyes on your company and and your and, and your, your product, it's that much easier. To get attention because everyone is looking at this you know when you've got a conference like this everyone's paying attention and it's a great opportunity for you even if you're not a huge developer to show off something and get people to pay attention
2: yeah i think um i, I don't i can't see a world without e3 uh mostly because like assume you don't have any three okay and and things get drip fed throughout the year uh huge announcements come out and all that eventually uh some press group is going to cover one or two of them and then they're going to start lopping them together and you're going to have something like an e3 happening over time anyway because that's just kind of how like news comes out you know like if people are covering your events uh it's easier than to have it all in one package that we can all disseminate it and the message isn't getting muddy you know i think a big thing with what the popularity of video gaming was the fact that it got press coverage and i think e3 is not even short of a you know like that that's probably the biggest thing that's normalized and made games more accessible to people you know like people who don't even play games um hear about games that are coming out because of E 3 and it gets the message out and i think you know like when I, I was we were talking about this like before we even started like you know when i was a kid like gaming was still very niche and like nerdy and like you were kind of a dork to playing games you know and but, you know, they just started becoming more okay, and then we have esports and shit, you know? And, like, that's, that's crazy. When I was growing up, like, I, I've never have imagined something like esports even existing because it was just, like, not taboo, but, like, frowned upon. Like, ah, oh, you know, like only the nerds play games and all that. I think. Yeah, other than for yeah kids. I think if you have, you know, Sony's trying to put out their games, let's say, and Microsoft wants to, like, sell their games, and everyone wants to have a forum to put their games out, it would be so chaotic to have you know, six different events throughout the year, all trying to get their word out. And I think that you can't really do that because it's just, you know, even with the internet, the message will get distorted somehow, you know? Like, I think clarity of the communication that we have um, from the developers is huge, you know? I don't think people really know what a game is from a trailer a lot of times. Like, even with Undertale, Sean, you don't... We had to say it's an RPG, you know? Um, so it's just it's just one of those things that, the clear line of communication um, is is a huge bonus, and I think uh, it would eventually just kind of turn into an E three type event if we didn't have one anyway. Plus, there now gaming is millions and millions of dollars worth of business. You know, like there is huge, Like Destiny had what like a like a five hundred fucking million dollar budget or some shit. You know, it, it, that's huge. You know, like that's movie level production and quality and and money and even more. Yeah, and like if you're spending that much money you really want your message to get out there you know not that destiny had any trouble getting hurt it's just i can't imagine something having that much uh time and effort and money put into it that doesn't have its own form you know like whatever it is for movies and stuff you know uh you know what you know it's comic-con great example you know there there's got to be some and even comic-con it was like cons all over the country and there's two of them there's san diego and the new york one so like that is huge obviously it gets bigger every year um we're lucky we only have one e3 you know like it's nuts the, the amount
0: of yeah. shit that well i mean we do we do have other shows yeah. like you have like um you know like or like psx is like something like you're talking about where that's sony's big right. show where they talk to specifically sony fans and then there's like paris games week and cdc yeah. and there are all these other or packs which is like a more fan oriented thing but yeah, like to your point, I like E3 is like E3 is like the Oscars of video right. games. You know, it's it's the one week of the year where everybody gets together to celebrate games and get excited about games and to your point like speaks to the average consumer. You know, like the New York Times isn't fucking writing or Forbes isn't writing about PSX, but they're writing about E3. You know, and the big announcements that come out of E3 because they matter to like American industry, you know, not just um, not just to the enthusiast crowd, which is, I, I think it is, it, yeah, I think it is totally valuable to have, like, a big, like, I I think for companies it's probably in a lot of ways more valuable to have their own show because, like, you do, you can speak directly to your fans and you do sometimes be able to, like, steal the news week, right? Like when Marvel uh, announced a couple years ago that they weren't going to go to San Diego and they instead had that big Marvel press event where they announce their plans until 2020, you know? Um, And I think there is a benefit to that as well, but I think what's so cool about E3 is that it is an event, you know? Everyone is talking about video games during E3. Everyone's paying attention, and if you do have a really big, exciting announcement, I do think it probably does get more hype or more attention, whatever you want to call it, because everyone's mind is there. It isn't this, oh shit, this announcement, like, let's hype it up. It's like, I'm already ready. Like, what is the big thing? And then it happens, and then there's the pop, you know? And yeah, it's competitive. Yeah, there's a million other announcements coming out, and you have to share the spotlight. But if you steal the show, like, if you win E3, that's huge. You know, like, it's relevant in a way that having your own event isn't, you know? Like, a Nintendo Direct is an event every time it happens, but it's not E3, you know? Not everyone watches Nintendo Directs. A lot of gamers tune in for E3.
1: Not to mention, uh, with this question, you know, what are the downsides of there being E3, right? Like, why wouldn't there be an E3? Why would we even consider a world without an E3? Because it's so, there's just nothing bad about it. It helps the industry because it gets. It's part of our culture, right. too. It gets eyes on the industry. Casual people know about it. It gets even them excited about games, whereas they're not on IGN every night, right? They don't they don't look yeah. at these websites looking for game news. Um, so there's nothing, there's no reason for it not to exist. Uh, it's helpful. It's been a staple of the industry for many years, and I don't see any reason at all for it to go away at any point in time. And it's a, been a part of my life for, forever, so I, I want it personally. I think it's great for the industry, and uh, I'm I'm glad that it exists.
0: Yeah, I think I think really the only the only reason I see it falling away or struggling is I think uh to the point that you made earlier Sean is that like the, it, it, there's no need for it anymore. You know, back in the day like you needed to have E3 because that was where all the game announcements came out. You know, and like you would you know maybe you'd get announcements in magazines or whatever once in a while, but those are not, those are never going to be the same thing as like we're saying E3 is like E3 is a big major event where non games press talk about games, where, you know, the not hardcore enthusiasts are actually going to hear about the shit that comes out of it. Whereas now, I there, it's so much easier to be connected with these companies like that the gatekeepers of information like like e3 or like magazines and stuff are becoming increasingly less relevant I think because you don't need them you know Sony can do PSX and and make all their big announcements there if they really wanted to you know Nintendo could just do Nintendo Directs and not go to E3 but I I think that would be whether or not we need it I think the industry would be lesser without it because it is such a big it is an event in a way that i don't think anything else is like i get excited for psx you know and all that stuff i love watching nintendo directs but like e3 is like you know it's the oscars it's the super bowl it's it's video games big fucking week it's our it's our week to all come together and be excited about games and celebrate them you know and i think i think there's value in that
1: i see i think that e3 is necessary and vital because of everything you just said right like Casual, Like, my girlfriend knows what E3 is. She has, if I said PSX, she would say, what the hell is that? You know? Like, right, yeah. if I said Tokyo Game Show, what is that? They don't... People don't know what those things are. Those are very much lesser, right? I think sure. that forget. I think that just comparing comic books to games, right? I think that E3 is more important for games than, than uh, Comic-Con is for comics. Because for comic books... Those, those conventions don't do a ton for actual books. For movies, yeah. they do a lot. All that stuff, that's great. But for comic books, the, the, you know, like, the, those things are pushed to the side almost at those conventions. E three, yeah, especially at San Diego. Yeah, E3 is game-focused. People who tune into that are gamers that care. Or casual people who have a loose interest in gaming that are excited because there's something hype going on. And I think that that's super important because we, you know, we don't have the numbers in front of us, but something like that is going to draw people in to buy these games, you know, yep. absolutely. And I think that it drives sales. I think it drives interest in a way, in a way that nothing else that any of these co- companies do outside of E3. Yeah, and like,
2: you know, on top of driving sales, there there's a ton of little developers that show up to E3 now, right, that you never hear about these little games that just like are amazing little things that pop in that no one's talked about you know like no, there's, there's no like press coverage of it really there's not going to be a stream of it there's not none of that crap but somehow the story gets out oh this game like a secret you know like little corner of e3 that no one was playing and then like that game and that's how it gets press coverage
0: because the games media is there playing right. games and they see something that catches their eye and then we hear so like it. you could
2: relegate everything to psx's and nintendo directs but you would lose all those little Uh, developers and all those little nuances that have come to make the show what it is and like that's that's part of the blood of gaming is you know getting the word out about you even you know it's like having Kickstarter you know anyone can have a Kickstarter for anything right you're gonna search through a bajillion things for looking for one thing probably not but if it's like in your face and and you see like the list of games even if you've never heard about you know 50 of them you might say, I don't know what this title is, oh my god, I can look at it. I have a title, holy shit, that's huge right off the bat. Just having a name is huge, because there's so much shit. I can't imagine it working um, without something like this. Like like I was saying before, like something else like this would turn into a, any 3 kind of like event. Maybe not as big, but... At least
0: for the smaller guys, right? Like All the indies would have to have some kind of indie dev event, because if you're a small developer, you can't have a PSX. Right. Yeah, Sony could do their own event. Ubisoft could do their own event. You know, EA is calling EA Play not an E three event, but they do it the same fucking week as E three right. because of course, because E three <laughs> is the week.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and it would it would be like in my opinion, it would just be foolish to not have, um, you know, this platform out there, especially for people who don't follow the industry very well. Like I, I don't have much of a trouble, much trouble, uh, you know, figuring out what a lot of these are, but. spend time looking at this crap and for somebody who just was like
0: oh you do a podcast every week yeah that's too." too, and it's
2: like for a lot of people i know that they you know wake up go about their lives they don't hear about games for months on end sometimes and then they say oh shit did you hear about this one game and all of a sudden they're back into it and that's because of e3 mostly you know um they might hear something drip fed from another source but it's probably because e3 started it and maybe someone else like you know you, you tease the game uh you know metroid prime 4 great example a 10 second gif is is considered to be one of the best announcements of the show for for like four days of show five days of show or some shit like that and yeah. it's just a picture saying we're gonna do a thing in the future we don't even like have a day and <laughs> and it you know it took headlines and that doesn't speak to the power of e3 i don't really know what does you know well said
0: yeah i think that's a good place to uh, wrap up this conversation so if you guys want to let us know your thoughts on E3, what you thought about any of the announcements, what you, do you think E3 should still be around? You can let us know in the comments below or uh, send us an email at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-C-O-M-I-C-S-P-A-L-S at gmail.com. Uh, or, you know... Um, you can reach out to any of our individual uh, Twitter accounts, which we have in the description down below with the rest of our news items. You know, if you want to go check out any of the stories, check out any of the trailers that we talked about for yourself, please do. Man, this is, I'm I'm getting real lost in this, this (laughs) whole rigmarole. But uh, if you're an audio listener and you're, uh, you're over on SoundCloud, drop us a like. Um, If you're on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a rating where we are currently a five-star rated podcast. So you can keep that up or give us some constructive criticism uh, which you know, so we'll we'll take it. We're always appreciated. And if you're over on YouTube, you can uh, like the video, share it with a friend, and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And uh, you know, we'll catch you guys next week for episode nine of the Video Game Pals.
1: Take care,
2: guys. Peace.